Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey everybody, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan. I'm here today with Chris Lotzball. Hey everybody. And we are kind of continuing through this blend of Acts and the Epistles, sort of. Uh, not sort of, actually, that's exactly what we're doing. <laughs> um, so today will be Acts 18 and then uh, and 19 and then into 1 Corinthians, which will be in 1 Corinthians for a little bit. Um, so there's a few things we could, a few directions we could go. Which way do you want to go, Chris? Well, let's start with the Acts. <laughs> let's start at the Acts. So we get uh, introduced to Apollos, uh, who is another one of the guys out kind of traveling around promoting the gospel. And... Uh, some things that are brought out about him is that he's very educated, he's a very eloquent speaker, but there are some definite holes in his understanding, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, he obviously didn't understand everything about uh, Jesus. And then later when he's in Corinth, he's talking to the people in Corinth, and they don't even know about the Holy Spirit. So we have a, a church that's already been established that doesn't even have a concept of the Holy Spirit. Like, like they don't even know that it's a thing at all. Like, yeah. it's not like they're not operating within the Holy Spirit. They're like, what's a Holy Spirit? <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's pretty cool. Priscilla and Aquila influence this guy. Um, they, they're kind of like this Where's Waldo couple in, in Acts. They keep popping they up. They pop up a lot, they don't do. they? Yeah, I'm realizing that doing the read-through. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, there they are they again. They pop up in Rome at different uh-huh. times. They're, you know, good people. Um, yeah, but even I think the one thing that stood out to me was here's a guy who obviously is very accomplished in his natural ability, but then in his education. But there's still, he's somehow maintained a humility to be able to learn about what he doesn't know, uh, which... All of us that study scripture and, and we we constantly want to maintain a posture of a humble learner. Uh, so I appreciate that about Apollos. And uh, he, the fact that he learned from Priscilla and Aquila, there's a lot of scholars that think Priscilla was really the the leading force of that couple. But because of the culture of the day, they always had to tag on Aquila too. Whether it was or not, he still somehow learned uh, from a woman, which... Greek culture, Jewish culture, all the cultures of this day, that would have been something that isn't common. So reading between the lines, Apollos is, he's a good guy, but he also seems to have a certain amount of humility to him. I really like Apollos as a character in these stories. He's not a character, he's a real person that actually existed. But um, yeah, he's he's apparently a very dynamic and influential speaker. He knows what he's talking about and he's able to communicate it well, much better than Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, and this kind of leads into one of the things that really stuck out to me. I like that Paul ends up making the case that like, hey guys, like, could we please just stay focused on Christ? Um, I was not crucified for you. Apollos was not crucified for you. It was all Jesus. And to me, it's it's so, so, so easy. I mean, churches have spread out like crazy and now there's like a million different flavors uh, but it's so easy for us to become loyal to our mm. particular flavor. And this is a very early version of this. This is a very early version of people like, yeah, no, no, Paul's a little bit more serious. I'm kind of into what he says. He's deep. Apollos, you know, he's compelling. But does he even know what he's talking about? I heard he just learned about the Holy Spirit yesterday. Um, how, how is that not today? I don't mm. know. Yeah, so the the passage you're referring to would actually be in Corinthians mm-hmm. then, which we mm-hmm. didn't read we led into in this episode, and it's pretty clear that the Corinthian church 
uh, is one that Paul invested a lot of time in. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we see that, but they're also one that is very raw. Uh, we're going to see that even more in the coming days. But uh, really, in the first couple of chapters, we see a lot of tribalism. We see a lot. A lot. Of, so, call it denominationalism. Call it um, uh, maybe even an, an early form of celebrity Christianity, um, where you know it's Apollos is the one guy, or Paul's the one guy, or Peter's the other guy. Um, and Paul does, he does just cut through that and say, look, at the end of the day, it's all about Jesus. It's funny. You, you say there's a lot of tribalism, but literally we just named the three types. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we talked about tribalism in the church today, we, it would not be possible in this episode to name the types. No, exactly. Um, so actually their tribalism is in fact minimal, uh, but wrong nonetheless. Yeah. And a lot of what the first couple chapters of Corinthians are, is just kind of saying, the gospel is different than things around you that the gospel, you know, the Greek culture would have been big into philosophy and wisdom and eloquence and strength. And they would have all this Greek mythology. And Paul comes in and says, basically, hey, I'm, I'm kind of this, I'm weak. I'm not eloquent. I don't fit the mold, but the wisdom that comes from the gospel will confound the wise uh, that to, to a culture, it seems as a foolishness, but this is actually the, the true source of what people are looking for. So I'm curious uh, with, with having read over this, I think we're talking almost specifically first Corinthians one, 18 to 31 in that block, the the heading is the wisdom of God. Um, I'm wondering if, is it possible that we, as in a, like a, a recent American culture uh, now, obviously America is not Christian. We have not been Christian for a very, very, very long time. You're making big eyes like you're afraid that I'm going to say this. Um, but there have been shadows of Christianity. Like our culture has been built on bits and pieces of Christianity. Has that gone a good direction? Has it not? We could leave that for a different time. Um, but I'm wondering if perhaps Christianity in America does not seem as crazy because we've tried to like align culturally with it as we go. And perhaps as that breaks down, in some ways you can make the case that that's actually kind of a positive thing because it's losing all, like it's becoming more Christianity than nationalistic pieces. As that breaks down, is it possible that the message of Christ will become actually more crazy and more nuts? Mm -hmm. Because what Paul's doing is he's coming into this culture that's not based on any Christianity, Christian themes at all. And people are like, what are you talking about? You're not even good at talking. Uh, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think I would agree. Um, I, I mean, fresh in my mind is I literally just finished reading a book called Keep Christianity Weird. Okay. Um, so I do think that as America becomes more and more post-Christian and more and more secular, the the, the uniqueness and, and kind of some of the strangeness of Christianity, I mean, at the end of the day, we follow a dead guy who says he rose from the dead and we believe he did. So, I mean, you can't, you can't get away from all the weirdness. Um, you know, we believe that someone could sacrifice for us. Uh, so some of that is, we even believe that there would be a need for someone to sacrifice yes, for we us. We believe in sin. Yeah. That is very countercultural. Today. Yeah. So yeah, I do think you're right. I think, um, some of the basic tenets of the gospel, and, and I've seen this, we, you've seen this as we've working with young people and college students that, uh, some of the basic things that used to easily just be woven into culture, whether even nominal in church, uh, we can't assume any of that anymore. We can't, like, honestly, we can't assume people know what sin is. We can't assume that they actually think they are a sinner. Um, so it's, 
I do think the message of Christianity, we're going to have more of these Corinthian type experiences. I got involved in youth ministry and student ministry in like 2008. And I would say I can feel from crowds speaking to students. Maybe I'm just becoming less cool. You're also um, becoming older. I am becoming older, but I think <laughs> you can actually feel when you speak to students, not all students, I'm just talking like large group settings. You can actually feel that this is becoming a little bit more strange. Um, and you can actually feel, you can see, you can see kind of the confusion on some kids' eyes. You can see, um, that just more is lost on them. And we do as a church need to actually, I think, I think it's a fantastic time to like return to the center, to really think through what we believe and how we can communicate that super well. And I think some of that is going on here. I think that's, I think that's where Paul's talking to Apollos about like, Hey, how, how are you conveying Mm -hmm. this message? What are we talking about? And also like. Maybe let's not be followers of Paul. Maybe not let's not be followers of Apollos. I mean, you can insert any preacher anywhere. Um, let's actually be followers of Jesus. That's what's going to keep us centered. I think the other thing that um, can be good is, you know, it was easy just in the past to kind of say, because your parents told you to, because the church said to, because the Bible says so. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, as, say the reason for marriage becomes increasingly cloudy in our culture. Yeah. Like, why would people get married um, if they just end up getting divorced? If you look at that from a cultural perspective, it doesn't make as much sense. But if we go and say, okay, not just because the Bible says so, but we actually get into the whys and what did God intend and how is this actually part of his design, we're going to have to do a little bit better at answering some of those questions than just saying the Bible says so. And in, in recent history, we have not, as a people of faith, had to work very hard at those things because they were written into the laws in some cases. And so as those things break down, which I, I actually think is like can be a positive thing for people of faith, um, you have to actually think through the faith-based reasons for the things that we do and not like the culturally constructed reasons that we do the things we do. Hopefully I'm not being super confusing. Nope, I don't think so, but we are here on God's Whole Story, solving the world's problems. <laughs> I doubt that. I doubt that. Something tells me that come December 31st, the world will actually still have problems. Yes, I, I'm pretty sure. Because <laughs> we, we believe in sin. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's weird. Uh, hey, guys, thanks so much for listening. Um, I hope you're tracking along with us. Yeah, we hope you're getting a lot out of God's Whole Story, and we'll see you again tomorrow. Bye. Bye. Acts 18.24. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord, and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. However, he knew only about John's baptism. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. Apollos had been thinking about going to Acacia, and the brothers and sisters in Ephesus encouraged him to go. They wrote to the believers in Acacia, asking them to welcome him. When he arrived there, he proved to be of great benefit to those who, by God's grace, had believed. He refuted the Jews with powerful arguments in public debate. Using the scriptures, he explained to them that Jesus was the Messiah. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus, on the coast, where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? he asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about twelve men in all. Then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months, arguing pervasively about the kingdom of God. But some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. So Paul left the synagogue and took the believers with him. Then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on the next two years so that the people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. When handkerchiefs or aprons had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. A group of Jews were traveling from town to town casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that when they fled from the, ho- that they fled from the house naked and battered. The story of what had happened spread quickly all throughout Ephesus, to Jews and Greeks alike. A solemn fear descended on the city, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them in a public bonfire. The value of the books was several million dollars. So the messages about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. 1 Corinthians 1, starting in verse 1. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother Sosthenes. I'm writing to God's church in Corinth, to you who have been called by God to be his own people. He made you holy by means of Christ Jesus, just as he did for all people everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. May God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. I always thank my God for you and for the gracious gifts he has given you, now that you belong to Christ Jesus. Through him, God has enriched your church in every way, with all your eloquent words and all knowledge. This confirms what I told you about Christ is true. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as, a, as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will do this, for he is faithful to do what he says, and he has invited you into partnership with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church, rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. For some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels. My dear brothers and sisters, some of you are saying I'm a follower of Paul, others are saying I follow Apollos, or I follow Peter, or I follow only Christ. Has Christ been divided into factions? Was I, Paul, crucified for you? Were any of you baptized in the name of Paul? Of course not. I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius, for no one can say they were baptized in my name. Oh yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus, but I don't remember baptizing anyone else. For Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the good news, and not with clever speech, for fear that the cross of Christ would lose its power. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish, 
Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven, and it is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended, and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those who are called to God's salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. The foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things of the world, considers foolish, in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those that are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and use them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preachings were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Yet when I am among mature believers, I do speak with the words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God, his plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. This is what the scriptures mean when they said, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit, and no one knows God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so that we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the spirit using the spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can receive these truths from God's Spirit, can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they can cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who can know enough to teach Him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk to you as though... You belong to this world, or as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not really solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? When one of you says, I am a follower of Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you acting like the people of the world? After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work that the Lord gave us. I planted the seeds in your hearts, and Apollos watered it, and it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters works together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. 
for we are both God's workers, and you are God's field. You are God's building. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. But whoever is building on the foundation must be careful, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on Judgment Day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God lives in you? God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Stop deceiving yourselves. If you think you are wise by this world's standards, you need not become a fool to be truly wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. As scripture says, he traps the wise in the snare of their own cleverness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. He knows they are worthless. So don't boast about following a particular human leader, for everything belongs to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Peter, or the world or life or death or the present or the future and the future, everything belongs to you and you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. Hey guys, this is Ryan and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, It means a lot to us even as we are reading through God's word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, If you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, We would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, You can either send us a DM or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.